Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Hey, Crime Style listeners, welcome back to another episode, our first episode of 2022. My name's Ashley, and with me always is my partner in crime, Ricky. Rick. Yeah, I'm starting the year off with a new name. All right, Rick. Thank you so much, guys, for a lovely year. We can't wait to continue this 2022 and see how things go. Thanks so much for supporting us. I hope it does well. Speaking of supporting us. Yeah. Want to take it away? All right. So this might not be 100% accurate because I read it off an Excel sheet, but it's like 149 countries. This is for people who listen to us this year. 149 countries. Wait, 149 countries listen to us? I think, give or take. That's crazy. Right? That's a lot. 874,249 downloads. Almost a million. This year? This year. Wow. I I know to other like... High five. High five. I know for other podcasts that's like not huge, but like... Holy cow. To us. I mean, that's really cool. Plus, we're still babies. Yeah, we're just little crime salad babies. Podcast babies. <laughs> and that's over 290,949 listeners. Wow. it's a lot of people. That's crazy. I know like five people. I have like three friends. <laughs> yeah, me too. And also, we have four new patrons. Ooh. We have Christy, Veronica, Rita, and Lisa. Wow. Thank you guys so much for your support. You guys are amazing. You are our first patrons for this year. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, we're starting off the year pretty good here. Yeah, pretty good. But we have a lot of cool stuff coming this year, too. We do. Longer episodes, maybe some merch, maybe bonus episodes. I don't know. Yeah. All right. So let's jump into this week's episode. We have a good one for you. It's been over a year since Vern Holbrook was brutally attacked in a West Valley home where he later died from those injuries. Trial is now officially underway for a Yakima man accused of plotting a hit on a real estate broker in West Valley. I can tell you right here, right now, that you will not hear of a single shred of forensic evidence of any kind linking this man or anybody else to that At nearly 80 years old, Vernon Holbrook was showing no signs of slowing down. He led a successful real estate company, enjoyed outings with his grand and great-grandkids, and was an active member of his church. 
Everyone in town had nothing but great things to say about him. So when Vernon Holbrook was viciously attacked while on the job, everyone was shocked. Why would anyone want to harm this man? And what police discovered after being called to the scene sounds like it's straight from a mystery movie. A life insurance policy, revenge for a deal gone bad, and chance meetings culminated in the untimely demise of a beloved man. Vernon Holbrook was born on November 10th, 1934 in Tamarack, Idaho. He was the son of Dale Clifford Holbrook and Etta Holbrook. Vernon, or Vern, as he was better known, moved with his family less than 100 miles away to Grangeville, Idaho, where he spent most of his young adult life. Once he was grown, Vern stayed in Greenfield to start his family, and he drove oil trucks for a living. When he was in his early 30s, Vern decided to move his family to Yakima, Washington. Now, Yakima is a town of about 90,000 people located in Yakima County. The area is known for its production of apples, wine, and hops, whose flowers are used in beer production. And in fact, the Yakima Valley produces 77% of all hops grown in the United States. In Yakima, Vern lived with his wife, Nola May Jeanette his daughter, and his son. The Holbrooks thrived in Yakima, as Vern decided to switch up his career paths to one that many believed was his calling, real estate. Vern was willing to work hard for his success in real estate. He started as an agent before getting his broker license in 1988, when he was 53. And Vern wasn't slowing down. A little more than 10 years after he became a broker, he opened his own real estate company, which he named Aspen Real Estate. Over the many years that Vernon worked in real estate, he experienced wonderful joys and terrible tragedies. In 2006, Vernon and Nola May's 49-year-old daughter, Jaina Lynn, passed away. The following year, his wife, Nola May, passed away. But despite the difficulty of losing the two most important women in his life, Vernon persevered and kept working. In the years following, Vern's son Terry was married to Cheryl Evans. Terry and Cheryl moved away to Spokane, a city not too far away. Vern himself was remarried to Chinese immigrant Zing Chow. Through his second marriage, Vern gained two stepsons, Andrew and Chad. Andrew, his wife Tara, and Chad still lived in Yakima. By 2013, Vernon Holbrook was the proud grandfather to 12 children and a great-grandfather to eight more. So yeah, 20 grandkids combined. For Vern, there was nothing better than family. According to his children and grandchildren, he was always happiest when he was with his family, no matter what they were doing. They used to joke that they could go to the dump with Vern and he'd still be excited. He'd laugh and respond, the family that goes to the dump together stays together. Beyond being a family man, Vern was also a generous member of the Yakima community and worked hard his entire life. Despite being nearly 80 years old, Vern still worked over 60 hours a week at Aspen Real Estate. When he wasn't selling a home, Vern loved to travel with his family, go fishing with his son, or spend the day golfing with friends. He also loved to garden, loving that it was a time he could find peace and quiet from his busy life. 
Furthermore, Vernon loved to watch sports, but was a particularly avid fan of the Seattle Mariners and the University of Washington's Huskies. This was a lifelong passion. When he was younger, he was a minor league baseball player, and up until he was 55 years old, he played competitive basketball. Outside of sports, real estate, and gardening, Vernon attended church at the Trinity Church of the Nazarene and was an active member as a deacon. For all who knew him, Vern was a kind and generous man. Each Christmas, he would take all his grandkids, yes, all 20 of them, to Toys R Us for a shopping spree, something he seemed to enjoy even more than the kids. On the morning of Saturday, May 25th, 2013, Vernon Holbrook made his way to Cowichi, Washington, to show a house that he was currently selling to some potential buyers. The house was located along the 1700 block of Summit View Avenue. But when Vern missed his appointments later that day, and wasn't heard from later in the day, an employee of the Aspen Real Estate went to the home to make sure that everything was okay. When they arrived, there was no way that they could have prepared for what they saw. Laying in a pool of his own blood, Vern was on the ground of the master bedroom, badly beaten and with his throat cut. He was barely alive. The employee immediately called 911 for help. On the scene, police officer Mark Weishar described what he saw as horrific. 605 Vern was quickly loaded into an ambulance and taken to a hospital, but his injuries were extensive particularly from the damage from being struck on the head. Doctors did what they could, but Vern was left in a coma. After Vern was taken to the hospital, police got right on looking for who could commit such a vicious act. Their first suspect was, understandably so, the employee who had found Vern at the home. But it was clear that he didn't have any involvement. Looking around the house that Vern was showing, police tried to find any clues about who could have come in that morning. Though they found little evidence around the house, there was one glaring thing. Vern's phone was missing. Thinking that there might be a clue on there, and assuming that the attackers took it to cover something up, investigators began to see what they could uncover remotely. Police were able to get access to Vern's phone records through his phone company. By looking at his recent calls, police found that his last call was with a 24-year-old woman named Adriana Mendez. Vernon's family didn't know who she was, but Adriana's phone had been relatively near the Kowichi crime scene when they spoke, leading police to believe that she could have been the person that Vernon could have been planning to show the house to. Adriana had three children, all under the age of eight, She had lived in Yakima all her life and was currently living at the Sunshine Motel, a motel without a family-friendly reputation. In Yakima, the motel had a seedy association with drugs and prostitution. Knowing that Adriana was at least one of the last people to speak to Vern before the attack, and possibly one of the last people to see Vern alive, police immediately brought her in for questioning. She told investigators that she had called Vern about selling a trailer. She had gotten his number off one of his many business ads around the town. Adriana told police that she wasn't in Kowichi the day that Vern was attacked, 
but police knew that this had to be a lie, since her phone had pinged off of a nearby cell tower. To check the truthfulness of her story, the police pulled security footage from the Sunshine Motel to see if Adriana showed up anywhere. The video footage showed Adriana, her three kids, and a man that they didn't know getting into a car outside the motel on the morning that Vern was attacked. Adriana identified the man in the video footage as her boyfriend, Luis Gomez Monges. Luis was in his late 30s and had a relatively long criminal record. Adriana admitted that she, Luis, and her kids had driven to the property that Vern was showing that morning. Adriana said that her kids waited in the car while she and Luis went inside to talk with Vern. Once they were inside, Adriana admitted that she struck Vern before going back to the car. Lewis stayed inside a few minutes longer before he got in the car with Adriana and they drove away. Police were baffled as to what would have made this young couple attack elderly Vernon, a man who they had no obvious connection to. It didn't appear that they had met previously or that Adriana and Lewis would have seriously been in the real estate market. There had to be a missing link between the couple and Vern. With Adriana's confession, police went to a casino to arrest Luis Gomez Monges. He was taken to the Yakima County Sheriff's Office. While searching his car, police found a blood-stained box cutter, which they immediately believed was the weapon that Lewis used to cut Vern's throat. Police took it in as evidence and sent it to the Washington State Patrol Crime Lab to see if the blood on it matched Vernon Hallbrook's. With their two primary suspects under arrest and Vern still in a coma, police were struggling to make sense of how this young couple had ended up meeting Vern on that morning of May 25th, 2013, and why Vern was so brutally attacked. Now that she was in custody and facing attempted murder charges, Adriana Mendez began telling police everything she could. Adriana shared that she had been given Vern's phone number by a man named Daniel Blizzard. Recently, Daniel had been helping Adriana make ends meet by paying her rent at the Sunshine Motel and buying her and her kids food. He was the one who approached her and Lewis about murdering Vern. With a name to link her to Vern, police began to investigate why Daniel would have put Adriana up to this. In their search, they uncovered a long, complicated history between Daniel Blizzard and Vern Holbrook. Their tense relationship began five years earlier when Vern had made a handshake deal with Daniel to sell him Aspen real estate. In 2008, Vern was getting older, already in his 70s, and he was wanting to spend more time at home with his family. Vern was happy to sell the business to Daniel, a real estate agent in his late 20s who had been working with him for some time. Vern and Daniel agreed that Vern would stay on as the face of the business for a year while they slowly transitioned ownership to Daniel. Given Vern's age, Daniel was nervous that Vern might pass away before the deal was finalized. To ease his concerns as part of the purchase, Vern allowed Daniel to take out a $1.58 million life insurance policy on him. But only a few months after their deal, it became clear to Vern that Daniel wasn't going to be able to make payments necessary to buy Aspen real estate from him. 
Vern, who was looking forward to retirement, reluctantly took back control of the business after only 16 months. In that 16 months, Daniel had only been able to make two payments to him. As Daniel was no longer in line to take over Aspen Real Estate, Vern asked him multiple times to cancel that life insurance policy. He was afraid that Daniel would take drastic measures to cash in on it, especially given how upset Daniel was that he wasn't going to be taking over the business. Police found records that Daniel, despite Vern's request to cancel it, had kept up with the life insurance policy bill. This gave him a clear financial and personal motive for wanting Vern dead. Not only did Daniel Blizzard stand to gain a million dollars from the policy, he also had a vendetta against Vern for ending their deal. With three people now under arrest for the attack on Vernon Holbrook, police still had some unanswered questions. In particular, they wanted to know how Daniel Blizzard even met Adriana and Lewis. It didn't seem likely that Daniel would have just stumbled upon someone willing to kill for him. Adriana told police that 39-year-old Jill Taylor had introduced her to Daniel. Shockingly, Jill Taylor is the former daughter-in-law of Vernon Holbrook. She had been married to his stepson, Chad, previously. Some reports have suggested that Jill was now dating Daniel Blizzard. Jill introduced Daniel to Adriana months back and stayed in close contact with Daniel. She too knew all about his plot to kill her ex-father-in-law. In fact, she confessed to considering poisoning him herself, but she wasn't able to follow through with it. Instead, she connected Daniel to Adriana and Lewis, two people who she thought might need the money badly enough to follow through with Daniel's vicious plot. Adriana told police that she felt indebted to Daniel because of all that he had done to help her and her family. When he approached her with an offer to make $10,000 plus a $2,000 bonus after Vern was dead, she felt compelled to take it. She had three young children to take care of. Lewis, her boyfriend, was facing deportation as his visa was expiring, and she wanted to move her family to Texas. This kind of money could help them do that. Text messages on Daniel's phone confirmed the entire setup. Adriana and Lewis were to pose as potential home buyers and then, once alone with him in the house, kill Vern. Once Vern Holbrook was dead, Daniel would cash in on the life insurance policy. He'd be an instant millionaire. The $12,000 he would pay to Adriana would be nothing to him. In the end, Daniel Blizzard, Adriana Mendez, Luis Gomez Mangas, and Jill Taylor were all arrested for their involvement in Vernon Holbrook's attack. While police diligently investigated, Vern was being treated at various hospitals in the Pacific Northwest for eight long months. Dr. Maureen Watson, a doctor who specializes in treating elderly patients, would later tell jurors that for months, Vern was in a vegetative state, showing little brain activity or recognition of the world around him. He spent time at Harborview Medical Center in Seattle and went to multiple rehabilitation centers in Idaho and Spokane. After a few months of limited and unsuccessful treatment, he returned to Yakima, where the extent of his injuries were simply too much, and he died. After his death, those arrested in connection to his attack were now facing even more significant charges. Louis, Adriana, Daniel, and Jill were now in custody for murder. 
As the case moved to a murder trial, investigators hit a major and surprising setback. The bloody box cutter found in Lewis's car wasn't a match to Vern. The prosecution had been relying on the box cutter as the murder weapon, which would be a link to their suspects to the crime. To deal with this, prosecution offered Jill Taylor and Adriana Mendez lighter sentences in exchange for testifying during Daniel and Lewis's trial. The Holbrook family was furious that anyone involved in their beloved Vern's death would be getting a lighter sentence, but they knew that it was the best thing to do to secure any kind of conviction and justice for Vern. At Daniel's trial, Jill and Adriana testified that it was Daniel who pulled the strings and pushed them towards attacking Vern. Prosecutors pushed for a 50-year sentence for Daniel by arguing that due to his age, Vern was a vulnerable person. But due to his active lifestyle, the judge ruled that Vern didn't meet the state's definition of a vulnerable victim. Daniel was found guilty of first-degree murder. At Lewis's trial, his defense tried to convince jurors that it was actually Adriana who had carried out the attack. He told them that he had actually tried to stop her from killing Vern, unaware that she had been hired by Daniel. At the end of the trial, Lewis's attorney could tell that the jury didn't believe one word of what he was saying. In the end, both Daniel Blizzard and Luis Gomez Mangas were found guilty. Daniel, at 30 years old, was given a sentence of 34 and a half years in prison for orchestrating the murder of Vern Holbrook, the longest sentence possible within the limits of the law. Lewis was given a sentence of 28 years for following through with the attack. Adriana Mendez, rather than facing trial, pleaded guilty to assault and rendering criminal assistance. She received a one-year sentence with time served. As she left court, she apologized to Vern's family and shared that she wished she had thought through her actions more and the effect that it would have on her children. The charges against Jill Taylor for her involvement in introducing Adriana, Lewis, and Daniel were dropped altogether because of her testimony during the trials. Though they had hoped for longer sentences for all parties involved, Vern's family was grateful to have gotten some semblance of justice for Vern. Holbrook's family members and friends attended today's sentencing, each offering their own words against the two men responsible for the patriarch's death. This just wasn't an attack on my grandfather, it was an attack on the whole family. Daniel knew each and almost every single one of us. Our trust, I will never trust like I did before after the attack. They took away life, they deserve life. Though the sentencing for each of the people involved in Vernon's death weren't as strong as the family would have preferred, the Holbrooks are working to remember all of the good that Vern brought into their lives. Though Daniel Blizzard had initially fought to claim Vernon's life insurance money after his death, once he was facing murder charges, it was clear that he had no claim to the money. And though it's no replacement for their beloved father, grandparent, and co-worker, we're happy to say that the payout instead went to Vernon's family and business partners. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode. We will be with you next week. Crime Salad is a Weird Salad production. Are you kidding me? That was perfect.